Thank you, band. You've done a great job here. Looking forward to hearing the band. Uh, you, should, you should see them when they, they put their Christmas carol vibe on uh, next Sunday night. It's a sensational night. If you've never been to one of our Christmas carol services, it is a service uh, where we sing a lot of carols. The guys do some items, others that sing along. We sing some songs from church. Uh, we'll preach a short message. It's the easiest place to bring a friend uh, in the whole year, really. It's the easiest place. I've got a friend of mine who's, already, who's been coming now for five or six years. He calls himself an atheist. He says, I'm a card-carrying atheist, but I want to come. Uh, one, he says, I like the chili hot dogs from the Goodfellas, so that's very important. Two, he likes bringing his kids along for the animals. Uh, but three, I know secretly, he's not telling me, but he loves the feeling of God in the room. And bit by bit, God is wearing him down. That's how it works. We're praying and he wears, wears him down. So this morning we're going to be talking about joy to your world. All the boys and girls. Joy to the fishes. In, anyway, we're going to sing that. I'm oh, not going to sing that. I promised I wouldn't rap, rap or sing. Okay, we're going to sing. We're not going to sing. We're going to preach. Next week we'll sing, but we're going to preach about joy to your world. And this will be a smorgasbord this month of different messages uh, about how to find joy. Uh, joy is not, a, is not a feeling based on your circumstances. Joy is something that comes from the Holy Spirit, comes from God, and bubbles up on the inside of us based on our relation, out of our relationship with God. Happiness is based on our circumstances. But if you're waiting for everything to line up to be happy, then there'll be that, that they could be few and far between the moments that happiness comes. But joy is something that we can have consistently when we uh, get ourselves in the right place and aligned with God and get our mind in the right thinking uh, zone. But but this morning I'm not going to talk so much about that. We'll be unpacking how to have joy in your world over the next little while. I actually want to talk about joy to the people in your world. Joy to the people in your world. In Luke chapter 15, verse 7, it says this. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven. Okay, this is a parable about three different stories Jesus tells. And one of them is where a shepherd discovers that he's got 99 sheep. And he's got 100 sheep. There's 99 left. One's gone missing. He goes and leaves the 99. He finds the one. He brings it back on his shoulders. Then he goes and calls all his neighbors and says, let's have a party. The one that was lost has been found. Okay. And then this is the verse that follows. There is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner. One lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. Father, I pray as we look at your word today, as we look into the, the principles that you're wanting to teach us, Holy Spirit, I invite you to come and to open up our hearts, anoint my words to help us to align ourselves with your thoughts and your ways in Jesus' mighty name. Jesus' mighty name. More joy in heaven. There's, and I've got to tell you, there's already a lot of joy in heaven. Heaven is a pretty happy place. Heaven is, heaven is a happening place. Heaven is a place where God's presence is constantly strong. His love is overwhelming. So we know that heaven is a joyful place. But the Bible tells us that there's one thing, and there's only one thing that tells us that gives a greater joy level. The joy meter in heaven goes up on one particular moment, and that's where someone who's walking their own way, disconnected from God, turns. That's basically what repents means. Turns and says, instead of living my way, I'm going to live God's way. When one person does that, heaven has a party. There's a joy in heaven over that moment. 
Now, I'm a, I'm a church kid. I grew up in church. I grew up going to church twice on Sundays as a, uh, for, for many years. And, and then, uh, you know, pretty much I can't remember a season in my life where I haven't been going to church. I love church. I love the house of God. I, I wish that every kid could grow up in the house of God. I wish that every kid could know how awesome it is to be loved by God and to have a community of people who are positive and believe in them. I wish that every kid could have that experience. And so I'm so grateful for that experience. Uh, wired into my spiritual DNA from, from a young age has been the, the desire to help people who are away from God or who don't know God, like I have the privilege of knowing God, that has been the desire to help them know God. It's always been there. It's always, for, for whatever reason, it may well be part of my spiritual gifting, the way God's wired me up, a desire to help uh, connect people away from Christ to Christ. Although part of the challenge for me is I spent, and maybe if you're a church kid here today, if you grew up in church in some form of church, uh, you, you might, might be able to relate to this, but I spent time in a number of churches over many years where it would be very rare to see anyone who wasn't already a member of the church club to come and get and join the church and come to know God. I, it was a desire in my heart. I knew it was right in the Bible. I'd even heard people talk about it in church. But my experience, I remember I was in a church in Toowoomba for six years. I don't remember one person coming to Christ or coming to faith in that church over a six-year period of time. Unfathomable to us here in this church, I know. But for me, that was normal. And there's many, many churches like that that, that are normal. And I, I remember at university while I was at that church, trying to try, like trying desperately to do something that would make a difference to see some people come to Jesus. I had this, this thing on the inside and it wasn't happening at church. So, so I, I remember two distinct moments where I learned a lot about what to do and what not to do. Uh, at, at the university in uh, Toowoomba, at what is now the University of, of Southern Queensland, I was studying business. And I remember, so the first one I did, this is in the, not, in the what not to do list. Uh, the church that I was involved in had got a bit of a political edge to it. And so it was about the time that the Sydney Mardi Gras was really getting some traction, okay? And uh, the church that I was part of did up a newsletter, uh, essentially condemning that, that, and there was this whole article on it. And so me being filled with faith and filled with, with, with wanting to make a difference and to be a prophetic voice to my generation, went and got this newsletter and spent in, at university, there's a big, uh, what we call the refrack, a, a big area where everyone would have lunch and a cafe or a cafeteria. So I spent my lunchtime handing out these letters uh, to everybody in the refractory. Just uh, this, you know, the, and the title of it was is because they'd taken a, a Christian politician and put it, a platter of his head, like a, 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 they'd made a big statue of his head and they'd put it on a, on a platter and walked it down the parade. And the title of it was, Who's heads on the platter? So I went around so embarrassing so embarrassing now but anyway I, I, you know who's done something embarrassing in the name of zeal okay you know don't stare at me as if you've never done it some of you are right and so I, I handed out this thing and you know and like I mean it's uni students like no one cares no one cares no, no, uh, all I got was a few arguments and mostly a leave me alone this is driving me crazy and I learned very quickly in that moment that that condemnation is not a great way to attract people into a relationship with God. Condemnation and trying to be a voice. Uh, so some people will quote the Apostle Paul and say, this is what we need to tell everybody in the world. What we've got to realize is the Apostle Paul was writing to the church. 
Most of the challenges of the New Testament were to the church. They weren't to the world. Condemnation won't win the world. So then my second attempt at reaching people was a much more, well, it was the same results ultimately, but it was a lot more fun. And so we put, we put on, at uni, I became friends with a number of overseas students. And so they were, they'd come to Australia to study, and there was, there was a whole a group of Pakistani fr- brothers. So just, and I became friends with these guys, and they were lots of fun. So I worked out, okay, we're going to have an event to put on this event, and I'm going to get to preach. It's basically the first time I ever preached to a group of people, including unchurched people, okay? And so we hired out a hall, uh, a public hall in, in the city, and we put on food, and we had, in those days this was cutting edge we had a bush dance come on who remembers the bush dances of the 90s come on some of you had one last week you're like what do you mean the 90s they're still alive no no the 90s all right and so we had a bush dance and I got to tell you I have never seen more joy on a young man's face when, when, then, then when these guys realized they got the dance, that we had about 80 uh, young adults in our, in our ministry, in our youth and young adult ministry, more joy in these guys' face when they realized the pride of Aaron meant, meant they got to dance with every girl in the whole room. These guys are like, this, this was hormonal evangelism at the absolute best working here right now. And so they would go along and they, the, 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 my friends would try and hug a little too tightly in the bush dance, okay? And the girls are like trying to push them away. It was, it was quite funny. But I realized, I realized at that time that, okay, condemnation doesn't work, but kindness and, and, and putting on things that are, that are attractive to people actually will open up their heart. And like I say, no one got saved when I preached, but hey, we were having a shot. We were having a shot. And can I tell you today, church, not everything we do works, but we're still having a shot. We're still having a go. Because I believe the greatest thing that we can do for our friends is to find ways to help them come into a relationship with the God who created them, who loves them, who wants the best for them. And this is what 2 Samuel 14, 14 says this. All of us must die eventually. Our lives are like water spilled out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. But God does not just sweep life away. Instead, I love this, He devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from Him. I love this. We're all going to die one day. Our lives will be like water poured out and we won't get our time back again. Every one of us in this room, everyone on this planet, no exceptions. But I love this, that God, devises way you might be here today and you're separated from God maybe you're you're, you've found yourself on a bit of a spiritual search maybe you found yourself growing up like a church kid like me but disconnecting because at some point it just didn't connect with you or you got distracted or something went on and and you found yourself drifting out of church and and putting religion in a particular box that was meaningless and not connecting for you maybe you were mistreated whatever happened maybe you've never grown up in church maybe you've never had an experience but you find yourself here today can I suggest to you that God has a divine plan for every person and he's devising ways because he loves you so much to get you back not separated but into relationship with him and my prayer is that we would always be a church first and foremost that our number one priority and our true north will always be to help people who are out of relationship who are separated from God that we'll just keep devising way after way after way we'll work with God to help people connect into the relationship that will give them true 
purpose and hope in their world. That's why we're planning a church in Melbourne. That's why we're, we're putting on Christmas services. That's why we do, uh, we're handing out Christmas hampers, all sorts of different things, because we're trying to find ways that will engage people's hearts and open them up to the love of God. Now, there are many ways, and I love this, that it's God who devises ways. I love it that God said, you know, you're praying for your, your, your son, you're praying for your mother, you're praying for your neighbor, and, and you, you don't have to come up with a plan. God's, he's, he's got this little book and he opens it up and he goes, oh yeah, Harry, I've got a few ways that I've devised for Harry. Harry's going to get some. Uh, uh, Russell Smith, this is how it used to work for him. Russell would, would live, and Marita were living uh, Ipswich, it would have been, back in Brisbane, and God had Russell Smith. How am I going to reach him? Oh, probably via his stomach, I reckon. That's what God wrote. If I, uh, he loves food, so if uh, let's find... Uh, oh, I'll get the neighbor to bring over some little melting moments to Russell. A Christian neighbor will bring them over with... Now, get this. Again, this worked in the, the 80s. Would this have been the 80s? This worked in the 80s. You've heard of fortune cookies? This is scripture cookies. The neighbor would make little, little cookies, little melting moments with scriptures and encouraging things on the inside and bring them over to Russell because God knew... He devised a way specifically. Come on, how many men know that, that, that our stomach is the way to our heart? You know, you know that's the truth of it, right? God's devising ways. He's devising ways. So he's got many ways for the friends and the, the family that we've got in our world. And here's what I love. In, in, in John chapter 17, and I didn't give you this scripture, guys, but I want to read it out. Jesus said in verse 6, I have manifest your name. He's talking to his father. It's a prayer. To the ones whom you have given me out of the world. He goes on and he says, I don't pray for the world. I pray for the ones that you have given me. I've always believed this, that, that God has given you and I a circle of influence. The Greek word for your circle of influence is a household. We think of a household as like a home and a family unit, but the Greek word is oikos. It's like a pig would say oikos, okay? That's the Greek word is oikos. And it means a whole household. And the, the concept of a household was the people that you would have influence over. Friends, family, neighbors, workmates, school friends, colleagues, people that you connect with. That would be your household. And God has given each one of us, everyone in this room, access to a household, a group of people. They're the ones that he's given us access to. And he said, I want you. You may not be an evangelist. 90% of us in this room are not an evangelist. So does that mean we don't have to reach our households? No, because, hey, a lot of us aren't servants by gifting. Does that mean we don't serve? A lot of us aren't singers by gifting. Does that mean we don't sing? Some of us, that would probably be good if we didn't. But, you know, you know a lot of us aren't givers by gifting. Does that mean we don't give? No, no. These are all things of maturity as we get closer to God. So although I'm not an evangelist, and you might, many of us aren't an evangelist, God's given us a household, and He's given us people that I would call your world. And He's given people that are my world. And it's our responsibility to work with God and the others that He places around their life as a team to bring joy to your world. Joy to my world. The, the, this isn't so much my world. I've got a world of friends through, through, through things I do, through neighborhood, uh, through neighbors, through sporting things I do, through a, a, arrangements and business things that I, I'm involved in. And that's my world, that I'm, my household. 
And God's given each one of us a household to connect with. And there are ways to help them come into relationship with God. I want to talk about uh, a few of those ways this morning. There are many, many ways, unlimited amounts of ways. Some of them are just absolutely crazy. That God's, the way that God's devised circumstances and lining things up and moving the chess pieces around because He loves that person you're praying for so much. Some of them are quite, are quite simple. Maybe it's, it's getting to pray for someone and God answering that prayer and that's one of His divide ways, uh, devised ways. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's a word of knowledge there's lots of different ways that will help people move towards God but I want to talk about a few together right now is that okay there's a, uh, I think I'm going to talk about three or four the first one very simply and this this is the universal way that God moves in people's lives is through prayer God moves in hearts uh, for people to come into a relationship with God it's different to oh, I want you to join the chess club that I'm part of there's, there's something spiritual that goes on. It's not, not, not just join the church community. People can join the church community, but ultimately it's the connection with Christ that will be life-changing. There are lots of great communities around the Sunshine Coast. Lots of great groups of, of friends and support and, and all of those things that are very important. But, but there's only one way to connect with God and it's through Christ and that's what we're wanting to do, wanting to happen for people. And it, it's a spiritual thing. It happens primarily through prayer. This is what the Bible tells us, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. Satan, who is the guy of this world, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of those who don't believe. He's blinded them. They are unable to see. They're not choosing not to see. They're unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Friends, this is why you and I are primarily called to pray for our friends and our family who don't know Jesus. There's something happens when we get together and pray and we take authority in the spiritual unseen realm and we're able to bind the, the spirits that literally bind people from seeing the truth of the goodness of God and the love of Christ. Once you've seen it, you're like, how can people not see how awesome God is? Once you've seen it, you're like, how can people not realize the, the amazingness of the gift of salvation, of the love that God wants to... You, once you've experienced it, but on the other side, it's just blindness. And it's, it's a spiritual blindness. It's not a stubbornness. It's a spiritual. There might be a bit of pride and stubbornness that goes with us, but it's a spiritual blindness. And you and I have the power to get together and to pray. And as we pray, God begins to move. Now, it might tell, I love it. Uh, there's a, a couple in our church, Lani, who gave his life to Christ three and a half years ago. He prayed for three and a half years, and his wife uh, got saved, Heidi, and baptized just recently. Uh, then on Father's Day this year, after 41 years of his wife praying for him. Maury, in one moment, 41 years of prayer. Come on, somebody. 41 years of prayer. In one moment, he says, oh, I get it. I get it. It's like, why? And then he's like, afterwards, why did it take me so long? Come on, we're committed to pray until... Not pray if, 
but to pray until, to keep believing and keep praying and keep seeing God move. Uh, over the weekend, uh, uh, when I, one of the, the young people who got saved, uh, the Pastor Dean was telling me that, that a family came to church, a couple came to church, and all three of their kids are out of relationship with God. And he said, just stick with us. We're going to pray together. They're grown-up kids. Stick with us. We're going to pray together. And on Sunday night, the second one, so there's two of the three now, have come into a relationship with God. The second one responded. And I watched the joy as they were hugging and loving because they're on this journey together of praying and believing for people to come to Christ. It starts in prayer. That's why this Tuesday night, although we're going to be talking about names and, and who's planting campuses, and all, that, that's all important. But what's most important to me is we're coming together to pray that over this next month, our friends and family who we're going to ask to come to church, God's going to do something. So they won't just come to sing a carol, but their hearts will be open. Their eyes will be open. And together, we'll storm heaven for people who don't know yet, yet know Christ. And we'll pray together specifically for souls. That's this Tuesday night and what we're going to do. So we pray. We pray. What, a, what a, another devised way that God has. Okay, the next one is acts of kindness. Melting moments would be described as an act of kindness, depending what sort of cook you are. Could be a sabotage act too, if you, but anyway, but I'm going to trust that you're good. Romans chapter 2 verse 4. Here, this, is, this is what I love about God's call to you and I as His representatives, as the church on planet earth. Is that we're, we're called to respond the way God responds. What, what I learned at university is people don't respond to condemnation. People don't even care whether you're technically correct. People don't, you can win an argument and lose a friend. You, you can come up with, you know, you can... Um, win the Facebook battle and alienate a whole group of people. That's why we make a deliberate choice in church to make sure that politics aren't part of the pulpit and, and there's a whole range of things that we don't specifically speak about. Uh, we let the Holy Spirit speak to believers, but we avoid certain things because we're wanting to win the world to Christ. We're not trying to put up barriers and condemnation will never work. That's not the way God works. He works with kindness, Romans 2 verse 4. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that it's His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? This is the nature of God. His kindness is what draws someone to repentance. It's the goodness of God that draws us to repentance. And therefore, God asks us to be the same. I'd suggest, uh, you know, we're not this kind of church, but, uh, but it's on a deliberate choice. We're not the petitioning, placard-waving, sign-waving kind of church uh, condemning what we don't agree with. We're the, we're the church who goes out with hampers saying it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how you've found yourself in this circumstance. We're not going to judge you whether it's your fault or circumstances. We're just going to be kind in the name of Jesus. That's the kind of church that we are and we've chosen to be. This week, uh, Danielle and I had the privilege of delivering uh, one, of the, one of the hampers that, that we've paid for together of these 300 hampers out to a lady. And, and I just, I sat there and we, we, we listened to her talk about her story and her pain and, and just the unfair things that had happened to her. Uh, and then we listened to her talk about two angels that had visited her by the name of Pip and Prue. 
and how they'd come and, and she'd, she'd essentially, she's, lost, she's in a wheelchair, this lady, her name's Tracy, is in a wheelchair, has lost the ability to move um, one leg and, and just early onset of a very serious uh, condition. And she was just talking about their love and how, how they got, got her that fridge and how they'd helped her get this house and how they'd rung up people on her behalf and been an advocate and how they'd come. And, and, they, and she used these words, being a loving, non-judgmental uh, ear who listened to us. I love what Shine Community Care does. And I love, I believe that we're going we're to go into a new day for many of you being involved with the hampers. It brought something alive in you. It's something you're like, I love doing this. Maybe you delivered hampers or you put them together. But we're wanting to, to, uh, to make this a continual part, not just Christmas, but a continual avenue for our church to minister to people into our community. Acts of kindness open up people's hearts. Uh, Darlene Check put it like this. I, I heard her after she went through a cancer battle and she talked about people's kindness in her difficult season. And she said, kindness is the new black. I love that. Kindness is the new black. What does kindness look like? Well, it looks different and there's so many different ways. And again, if we understand it's the Holy Spirit who's devising ways, He'll put uh, plans in our hearts. For some time, it's staying behind at work to help someone with a project deadline that you're not getting paid for, but that's kindness. Sometimes it's bringing coffee or donuts into work just because. Sometimes it's visiting a sick friend or a colleague in hospital. Sometimes it's, it's cooking a meal and taking them to a sick friend. Sometimes it's uh, taking a gift to someone who's just had a new baby or giving them a set of clothes for their new baby. Sometimes it's a Christmas gift as a thank you. Sometimes it's sending flowers or cards to someone who's lost, who's ex experiencing grief. Sometimes it's helping people practically in, the, in their neighborhood, in their garden, wh whatever it might be. Sometimes kindness is specific encouragement that you write and you just notice when someone's done it tough or, or put in the extra effort and you find the good when everybody else is finding the bad because this is what God's like with us he's a voice of encouragement so many people have think that God's the voice of condemnation but he's not the voice of condemnation he's the voice of encouragement he's the voice of hope he's the voice that finds the best in you and I that's the way he is and he wants us to be like that because it opens up people's hearts number of years ago uh, a man that I met who was in public service here on the Sunshine Coast for many many years and I met him and he was quite deflated and discouraged and he told and he was just telling me how what a thankless task it was and I just those those words the Holy Spirit lit them up to me like he, this guy just needs appreciation so I went on a journey over the next 12 months of texting him saying, thank you for what you do for the public. Thank you for what you do for this community. And we went out for breakfast. We went out for coffee. And he ended up coming to church, uh, getting, uh, giving his life to Christ. He ended up bringing his wife uh, to church. He did a course and he said, if I hadn't done this, this, been part of a group in your church, I would have lost my marriage. It reset my whole life and my rethinking. And you know what? It simply started from not a big miracle, but from kindness and specific encouragement if we tune in then even right now while i'm talking god will be reminding us of people in our world who need the joy of your kindness and my kindness over the next little while Let, let's continue along here what else is there so we've got prayer acts of kindness okay hospitality hospitality matthew chapter 9 9 to 10 says this as jesus was walking along he saw a man named matthew 
sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many of his tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. I love it. How many of you know some disreputable sinners? How many of you are sitting... No, 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 no. What about in your lounge room? Is there any disreputable sin? No, anyway, okay, just, just stay with us, all right. I love it. You know, it's so easy to look at a person sometimes and go, I think they'd make a good Christian. Have you ever had that? It wouldn't be a big jump for them. They've got all the moral values. They're, they're a nice person. They're a kind person. And so often we can set the bar, and it doesn't mean God doesn't want to reach them, but so often we can look at the rat bags the challenging people, the shorties on our boat. And we can look at them and think, nah, that'll be the last one. You know what? Often in God's point of view, that's the first one. That disreputable sinner, that rat bag, that, that, that trouble stirrer, that one who's causing difficulties, that one who's intimidating. Maybe what they're projecting externally is covering something on the inside of pain and difficulty. And if you're courageous and pray, prayerful and kind, then you, yeah, and you make mo- and look for moments of, of hospitality, who knows what God might do? God loves to get the, the souls who are fire-breathing Christian martyr-makers and encounter them because he knows the passion they've got for evil. If only it could be used for good. Sorry, that's a Maxwell Smart line. If you know. Anyway, just keep moving along, Pastor. Keep going, keep going. If only he could use that for good and God says, I'm going to apprehend that person. Maybe you've got someone in your world right now and if you push through, I'm thinking of someone in my world right now, if you push through, the, the, the barriers and the tests of whether you really love them or not. And for Jesus, I love this with Matthew, when he encountered Christ, Matthew said, I'm going to get all my friends together. And he didn't say, I'm going to bring them to the synagogue to hear Jesus. He said, I'm going to have a party. And I'm going to invite Jesus and some of the disciples to my party. This is where Jesus got in most of his trouble in the New Testament. The Pharisees are like, what are you hanging around with that lot for? He's like, well, I'm bringing hope to the sick because the, the well don't need a doctor, but the sick do. He said, I'm bringing hope to the sick. And they orchestrated a situation of hospitality. Hospitality opens up people's hearts. Hospitality makes a way for us to move forward. We're, we're, tonight, we're, we've got a baptism party, and it's, we call it a party on a purpose because we want people getting baptized to bring friends and have food and for our church family to embrace your friends. Not to speak to our own friends, but to embrace new friends. That's part of the culture of our church. Tonight, Danielle and I are deliberately um, putting time aside to get to go to a street party uh, in our street. Someone throws a party and we, we just try and go and connect and, and be good neighbors because there's something about parties. Stay tuned for more about parties at another time. All right, the last one is we get a keyboardist up and we're bringing in the service to a close. He devises ways. Prayer is one of his ways. Acts of kindness are one of his ways. Hospitality. Barbecues, mate. Barbecues, mate. 
When our church first started on the Sunshine Coast, we asked Mark Ramsey, who's now the pastor of City Point, what's the key to reaching people on the Sunshine Coast? He looked at our pastor and he said, barbecues, mate. That's how you're going to reach the Sunshine Coast, barbecues. Turn to your your neighbor and say, it's time for a barbecue, mate. Bring your friends along to a barbecue. In a moment, I'm going to ask us to commit in the next four weeks to, to hosting something with people who are part of our world, who don't yet know Christ, but to have them in our home. It might be a barbecue, mate. It might be coffee. It might be a dinner party, whatever it might be. But I want us to be a church who knows how to party and to include the world in our parties. And then the final thing is an invitation. The NCLS, the Natural Church Life Survey, did this survey a number of years ago of Australians. 54% of the last census, I think it was, said that they qualify themselves as Christians. Uh, And in this survey that they did of average Australians, 90% said they'd never been invited to church. 90%. And then... They were asked, if you were invited, would you go? And 70% said, I would. I'm waiting for an invitation. I know this is, this is going to seem revolutionary, deep and spiritually powerful. But one of the ways that God's devised for us to connect people to Him is to invite them to church. It's just so simple. Three years ago, exactly this time, I finished boot camp with a group of friends that I've been doing this boot camp with for six or seven years, and I pulled out the invites for our Christmas invitation. Just a little little hint. The invite on your seat, it's not for you. It's for you to take to bring joy to your world. So, and you can grab a whole lot more and hand them out and so I just after afterwards we just all had the, the, the showers washed the sand off and I go guys we've got this Christmas event on, on Sunday night and I handed them out I remember it specifically because one of my mates uh, one of the guys who's the hardest who I'm believing for the most looked at it and said there's no address on here how do you expect us to know where to go I was like, <laughs> so I just said oh, we only want smart people to come anyway buddy and I didn't know, but one of the guys there was in a crisis. He di- I didn't know. And, he'd be- and he was in a search mode. He didn't say, I'm going to come. <laughs> and so he just rocked up on the Sunday night with his family. I didn't know. Preached about the love of God. Preached how God wants to give us purpose. We worshiped Jesus. Everyone was friendly. And at the end of the service, I was sitting just over there. And I watched him put his hand up. He thought he was the only one putting his hand up. And then his wife puts his hand up, her hand up. And then their three daughters put their hand up. Three years later, these guys are on fire. I love God. Be part of our church. And you know what? It was an invitation at the showers. Come on. It doesn't get much more spiritual than that. Seriously, we're washing sand off. We're well, keeping it light. Joy to your world. I want us to pray right now together. Father, we're asking that you would help us.
to partner with what you're already committed to doing in our friends to bring joy to their world a relationship with you the weight of sin off the weight of guilt off the love of God coming into their hearts light where there's darkness joy where there's depression faith where there's there's fear and anxiety help us to partner with you Lord I'm asking that you would show us for the ones we're praying for and even as we pray this week let there be such a shift in the spirit realm over our friends and family God that this month would be a month of joy to our world through our services morning and night Open up hearts. Help us, Lord. Show us right now what are the acts of kindness that we can do. Show us who we should have over in our home for a barbecue. Show us who to invite. And give us the courage to step out of our comfort zone because people are just waiting to be invited. Help us to lift up our eyes because the harvest is ripe. I'm wondering, I'm going to ask us with our eyes closed to make a commitment here today. December's just started. Would you make, if you're, you're saying, I will do something hospitable, a meal, a coffee, something with someone who I know who doesn't yet know Christ, but I'll take the initiative to show hospitality in this next month. Would you just raise your hand and say, I'm going to do that. God, would you help me do that? Fantastic. So many people. Anoint us, help us, Lord. If you're saying over this, this next month, I'm going to invite at least one person to church, to one of our services, would you just raise your hand if you're going to do that as well? So many people. Fantastic. You put your hands down. Father, let that your anointing be on us. Show us the ones that you've given us to show your name to. Help us. All right, we're good. We're good, we're good. Can we stand to our feet together right now? An exciting season is about to embark for us together as a church. Let's go and bring joy to our worlds wherever they are. God bless your church. Thanks, Jeremy.